This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Always fun to get with the crew to talk Michigan recruiting, give you the latest and the greatest when it comes to the Wolverines on the recruiting scene. Uh, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and review it and tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcast, whatever their favorite podcast platform is. Just tell them to search Michigan Insider Podcast and up they will come. Just grab the Michigan Recruiting Insider and they'll be able to get their recruiting fill, their Michigan recruiting fill, joining me as they do every week. First of all is Steve Lorenz from the Michigan Insider. Steve, how are you? Good March Madness, best time of the year. So exciting. I hear you, man. I feel that way too. There's nothing like it, and you, you savor it even more when you go a whole year without it, which uh, we obviously did uh, here over the past year. But Bryce Marich, how are you, Bryce? I'm good. You know, if Michigan needs a 6'7 sharpshooter, I'm available for the tournament. So six, I know Isaiah's out. So they six, need, I got seven. a couple years left of eligibility, but it's all right. What system of measure are you using to come up with 6-7? It's like the media guidebooks. You know, add a couple inches to everyone, so that's all I'm doing. I got you. All right, so let's dive in. The dead period has been extended, and we talked about this before, through the end of May, right, guys? And The idea being, the hope being, that schools will be able to have kids on campus for official visits starting into unofficial and official visits starting in June. That's the hope. Nothing formal from the NCAA saying that that should be expected, but that is the target. As such, we see schools starting to plan visit weekends. I want to say West Virginia was the first school to lay down a bunch of visits, right? But Penn State has followed and a lot of questions from Michigan fans. When will we see Michigan go about the business of setting up visits for the June period? And Bryce, Turns out they've already started doing just that. Yeah, so Michigan's not going to take a backseat to other schools kind of setting up and taking certain weekends. I know we just report, I just wrote an article on Just Finkley from Hewitt Trustville down in Alabama, 6'2", 255, top priority for Michigan. He just got, again, re-offered technically. Last month he got offered officially the first time after unofficial for the House State game back in 2019 when he first took a, a visit. But I talked to his family and they said, listen, we're going to, we set up official visit to Michigan for June 18th to the 20th. And Michigan, it sounds like they're calling it the victors weekend. So this is going to be a big recruiting weekend. If it does happen, if visits do happen, but you should expect to see more kids, Michigan target more kids and maybe come up that weekend. And like I said, he's a kid that Michigan has, really put a lot of eggs in that basket. They've talked to him about Matt Judon, kind of how he fits that role. Speaking of Matt Judon, he got a nice payday today. He just signed with, you know, the New England Patriots. And so he just made, was it $56 million in that contract? So. Good good for him, man. You, you knew the Ravens, not to get all NFL on you, but could they keep Matt Judon and Yannick Ngakwe? Uh, it sounded like uh, Judon kind of felt like he wasn't going to get his money. I was hoping the Lions 
were going to slide in there. You know, especially when they didn't re-sign Kenny Galladay. I'm like, man, are, are we clearing the deck? Are we clearing some money so we can go get Matt Judon and bring him home? Because, look, you guys have been Lions fans. Lions don't get free agents. So you're hoping that on the strength of him being from here, that maybe they can make it happen. But as is always the case, you get your hopes up on the Lions, they let you down. But let's get back to talking Michigan. Matt Judon is the comparison for Justice Finkley, right? Yeah, and so you can use that for Michigan. I know Mike McDonald coached him, so you can use that as a selling point and say, listen, I coached the guy now, just signed a brand-new contract making 56 mil, so I know how to get these guys paid as well, and I know that's a big thing for him. On top of that, both of his parents are educators, huge in academics. He wants to be a neurosurgeon. Michigan has had experience, you know, having some athletes kind of go that route. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a big name, kind of went down the medical field. So there's a lot to like there, but even if the visit doesn't happen, we talked about this before the podcast, it's still a good sign that he's looking to come up regardless of if it happens or not. You sh- that shows his true interest, and it shows kind of where Michigan stands in his recruitment as well. Again, it makes sense to start doing that, to start getting kids lined up, because Steve, you know how this works, man. <laughs> you start jockeying for a position. You know, there are only so many visit weekends in the summer, uh, where you know coaches are going to be around, then you're right into the season, and all these kids are going to be squeezing these visits. Where you you would see a lot of kids getting to campuses over the spring. Now they all have to get these visits in in the summer and fall. So uh, you know you you got to start marking your territory, so to, so to speak. Yeah, Michigan. Matt Judon was at Michigan yesterday. To, to add on to Judon stuff, Mike McDonald posted a tweet of Matt Judon coming and speaking to the team, which is kind of cool. Would have been like you said, would have been cooler if he'd. Would have done it the day before he signed with the Lions. Uh, right, right. But again, no ex. He never set expectations there. <laughs> hope for the or uh, assume the worst. Hope for the best. Right. Uh, but with the official visit stuff, yeah. So the funny thing is, is it feels like that the, the this this what almost it'll be an almost an 18 month dead period. Uh, I think it's fatigued the kids even more because it's texts and calls. That stuff has never stopped. And so I think trying to, yeah, trying to maybe be on the forefront of getting some of these official visits set makes way more sense than it is to hold out for the games in the fall. Uh, I think it'd be a situation where maybe you hope you get your top guys, if they're not committed, back up for a game. Uh, because, yeah, these kids have been getting, I was like, I talked to, I remember which kid it was, uh, Addison Nichols, offensive lineman out of Georgia, 50, 60 texts a day, mm. right? You know, and you're getting that day in and day out. Uh, I think you're going to see a ton of verbal commitments once official visits start, provided they start in June. I think once you get kids on campuses, I think you're going to see a a huge wave of verbal commitments. So being a little bit ahead of the curve there, I think is advisable uh, for Michigan or whoever else. I think that's why you've seen a couple schools. Like you said, West Virginia, Penn State. Yeah, probably the two you've seen the most of, at least on social media, uh, as far as setting these visits. You know, I think that's why you've seen them kind of take a little bit of the initiative with some of their top targets. And, and I expect now that Michigan will uh, attempt to do the same with this, this victors weekend or whatever it's called. Yeah, man. I imagine that we'll start to see the names populate that list here over the next uh, couple of weeks, especially. Uh, and one name that could be on that list because I talked to him uh, recently and he said, you know, he, he wants to get, he wants to get to Michigan's campus would love to be able to do so for, to see a practice, but he can't. Uh, but he wants to get here the first chance he gets, and that's Deion Walker, the defensive tackle from 
Cast Tech, a guy who Don Brown offered when and when when Michigan dropped the offer on him, I know it was a kind of a head scratcher to to some people, right? It's like what Michigan was like his first big offer. I think Michigan State had offered as well. But wasn't a whole lot of national attention on Deion Walker. About six six at the time, and it looked like he was about 330, 340, maybe, somewhere in that range. Right. But, you know, a guy to be that big who moves really well. Well, he went to a camp down in Tennessee with Sound Mind, Sound Body recently. He put the highlights on on Twitter. And I know you guys saw him, too, Steve and Bryce. He looked like a different kid. I mean, it's like, man, is that Dion? Because, Bryce, you remember that camp we went to and he was he looked he showed well at that camp. But definitely he was not svelte by any means. You know, he had not. He was not shapely on this video down in Tennessee. I mean, the dude looked downright trim and fit and explosive. Good off-snap quickness, using his hands well. It was impressive, and it was clear that Michigan, the heat has been turned up significantly by Michigan. And I think, and for this new staff especially, I think a lot of it is reaction to seeing him in that form. I mean, Nua's been around and Nua's been in contact, but I know you reported the other day, Bryce, all the coaches. I mean, you know, he had a Zoom with a few defensive coaches from Michigan the other day, signaling that this is indeed a guy for the Maize and Blue now. Yeah. So I want to say last week was his birthday, and Michigan had a Zoom call with uh, Sean Nua, um, Ron Bellamy. You know, they wished him happy birthday. And that Zoom call, he told me it was his first time talking with Mike McDonald, and he said he made a great impression on him. He really liked him. He, they kind of talked to him about how he would fit in the defense. They want a, a big nose plug, a big guy like an Allen Branch, someone throwback for Michigan who could sit in the middle and demand double teams. And when you watch those highlights of when he was down in Tennessee, that's exactly what you'd get with him. He's a big, tall, physical guy. And I know some schools like Florida who recently offered him they told him he can play offense or defense. They don't care. They just want him. So he's quickly, quickly, quickly becoming a national recruit. Michigan got him on him early. Um, it's funny because when I went to go see him at a summer workout with Raheem Anderson and Jackson Pruitt, he was not looking like that. He was good. He was definitely good. And he was a big kid, but he wasn't moving like that. And so the biggest takeaway from these videos is like, man, he is leaned up. He's gotten bigger, maybe not bigger, but he's gotten faster and he looks just better conditioned. And one other point is he, when I first talked to him and it's to this day, he talked about Raheem Anderson, that connection. He said, listen, Raheem is just, he's like a big brother to me. He keeps it real with me. He's like, I can FaceTime him now that he's at Michigan and he's not going to hide the fact he's going to tell me if he's having a good time up there. And he's going to tell me what's going on, what's not going on. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to hide any of the facts. And so he really appreciates that. He really likes Michigan. I know he likes Michigan State, a couple other schools as well. I think he's going to take his time, look at some of these schools now that he's got more offers. But I think with this push Michigan's showing, Michigan's in great position with him. I know when he talked with you, Sam, and I want to say Columbus, he quickly said, listen, Michigan's my favorite. That's my leader. I grew up really liking them. So I think Michigan overall is in a good position for a kid that is right in their backyard at a top school where they have landed several guys over the years from. Yeah, you mentioned his relationship with Raheem. He said every time he talks to Raheem, he said he he talked to him again today 
um, after practice, and he said, Raheem always starts off the conversation, so when are you going to commit? <laughs> he said it just straight to the point. <laughs> when are you coming? When are you going to commit? Uh, and he, for his part, is is being patient. He said he wants to get to some of these campuses. He wants to see Oregon, uh, but Michigan is definitely out front. I'd say Michigan and Oregon, from talking to him, are the schools that he likes the most, but he's obviously much more familiar with Michigan. Obviously, Raheem is here. He's tight with Tayshawn Trent. He's tight with Devontae Miles. I mean, you know, he uh, – and then looking around and seeing some of the top in-state guys and what they're doing, I think that – I think that's something that he's paying attention to. So, you know, Michigan has a lot of lures, if you will, in that recruitment. You know, I think for them it's just a matter of, you know, if you go hard, you better be – this you had better be sure that he's a top guy on your list, and that's why I'm so I'm so certain, Steve, that this is a do for them because you you push for a kid in state and you push for a kid at Cast Tech. Oh, you're taking that guy if he, if he wants to come. Right? There's there's no slow playing a guy like that. So you better be sure what you're doing. That tells me if they're pushing on him now in the way that they are. He said he had been in contact with Sean Nua, but now he's hearing from the defensive staff, Michigan State by comparison, pales in comparison to the level of contact that he's getting from Michigan now. So he didn't even mention Michigan State among his top schools at this point. That's saying something. So I actually, the first thing I, I did watch that video, and I think I told you guys, like normally you see guys like post like Twitter highlights and kind of skim through them or whatever. His I was kind of interested in. And I was like, wow. Like you guys said, body looked different, just looked explosive. Looked like he was more than holding his own against some top guys. Also, you see you get the notifications when like multiple people you follow like it. I think there were like four or five Michigan coaches that liked the video and it's like, all right. So, you know, might be something brewing here. But the other thing I thought about was when Bryce went to go back to see Raheem last summer and that Raheem was the one that set up that workout. If I remember right. Correct. Yep. You wonder is his inf- like as Anderson is a guy that we've looked at as being a future leader for Michigan. If that influence is what pushes a kid like this to, completely transform his body and look like a totally different player in such a short amount of time, you know, it's like, is that maybe Anderson setting the example for a younger guy on his team who all of a sudden now is working himself into what LSU, Oregon, I think you mentioned Sam LSU offered. I know Florida did, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this guy's got options. He's got no reason to be in a hurry right now. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a hurry if I was him at least right this at this very second. So, um, and Michigan, maybe, you know, a little gift falling into their lap when we're seeing some of the big dudes that they've been offering the last few weeks. And all of a sudden you have one at, you know, one of your most trusted program, you know, you got Wiltshire there, um, you know, a guy you can trust is to tell you if this kid is, can be a difference maker for you or not, you know, they may not have yeah. to work too hard to go get one of these guys. Right. So, you know, that really a lot of ways, like a best case scenario for Michigan, if, if Walker turns out to be a, a legit prospect, because there is that bond with Anderson. And then, like you said, cast Tech is a place you know, when Michigan decides to push, you know, with with the other schools that are involved, it feels like it'd be Michigan right now. I mean, you know, Michigan State not being mentioned. Ohio State had Notre Dame haven't really gotten involved yet. Not sure if they will. You know, it feels like that this would be Michigan's to lose if they really wanted to make a run here. Yeah, and I, I want to emphasize the point that you, you guys just talked about again. You talk about the shape that he's in. It, it says something to me when a kid can – have this kind of physical metamorphosis in high school. Like before he gets into a dedicated strength and conditioning and nutrition program in college, this kid is, he, I mean, this is not, you know, Keontae Goodwin type of <laughs> metamorphosis, but still for him, 
we saw him, Bryce, in person. I, I'd say, like I said, 6'6", 330, 340. He said he's up to 6'7", but down to 317 now. Uh, and he said, you know, it's – Wiltshire said he needs to get his, his weight down. And then he's also playing basketball. So that's the other thing that really is helping him sort of be in better shape, more explosive, more stamina, more quickness. So that says a lot to me, you know, to, to be able to – put your mind to something like that before you have all of the kind of support that you will have in college. He doesn't have that right now. So got to give him a lot of credit. Definitely a guy high on Michigan's radar now, but not the only guy. And Steve, I know recently you singled out a couple of guys. One of them that you pointed out is a kid from down in Baton Rouge. He always thinking, you know, a kid in Baton Rouge, a kid in LSU's backyard, the shadow of Death Valley. Can they really pull a kid out of Louisiana like that? But Quincy Wiggins is a guy that just put Michigan in his top 10. And a guy that says he's hearing from Michigan every other day or talking to Michigan every other day. I guess that's kind of the same thing. But um, yeah, I mean, Baton Rouge, my first thought is, you know, might be a guy that Michigan will have a really good shot with if LSU decides to look elsewhere. I mean, it's just a, a fact. You know, I don't think many kids that LSU wants get out of Baton Rouge uh, but I did see Madison Prep Academy, I believe, has sent guys to some other programs, so maybe not a total lost cause. Uh, that being said, I do think LSU may have some guys that are higher on their board at this point based on the, I would say, moderate amount of research that I did about it today. So, yeah, a guy that they're definitely after a perfect strong side D end in a 3-4 scheme kind of reminds me, I know it's a name I feel like we use a lot with this type of stuff, but kind of reminds me of Chris Wormley. Uh, a little bit uh, guy that's got a little bit of a bigger body, but athletic for his size quietly has a very uh, geographically diverse uh, top 10. I think USC was involved. I'll say South Carolina, Baylor, and then Michigan, obviously. Then there were some other SEC schools in the mix. There. I think Mississippi state, Ole Miss, a couple other ones there. So yeah, definitely probably a name that probably a name you'll probably hear a lot more about going forward, just because it sounds like Michigan is really, you know, you talk about Finkley, being another guy at that that you know that edge uh, at the three four, I think Wiggins is a similar guy, uh, at least with the hand down, you know. And I think a guy that probably right up there, uh, at least at this point. But again, I think I said I think it's going to come down a lot to whether or not LSU, you know, decides to make a push there or not. It's just a fact at this point. Bryce, as we look at the defensive line board, I mean, I think we are getting a real good picture of who the top guys on on the list are. Some of them are like everyone. It's hard to get a, a read on exactly where some of these guys are leaning because they don't talk very much. For instance, a guy like Anthony Lucas from out in Arizona. Now, Michigan has, they have one advantage in this recruitment that stands out, and that's that he's already been here, Bryce. But beyond that, I mean, this is a guy who, <laughs> I mean, he shot way up in the rankings and talking to some of the coaches out there. He's like, I mean, the dude is just, he's an absolute freak. Absolute freak of an athlete. You see why uh, so many schools like him. But, you know, will he really leave the West Coast? It says something at least that he visited over here, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he took the visit with his pops. They both came away very impressed with Michigan and even more so with Sean Nua. And that relationship has continued. I think the big thing with him is if he's going to be receptive. Because like we've been talking about this podcast, it's a dead period. You can't take visits. You can't see anyone, really. And so throughout this pandemic, he's been very 
receptive to Michigan. He's been talking with them constantly. He's been doing Zooms with them. He's been learning more about the new defense. So that's a big plus. But there's a lot of these top schools, especially out west, are trying to keep him on that side of the country and making sure he doesn't leave. Yeah, I talked to Blair Angulo, and I was at, <laughs> you know, I said, "Yeah, saw UCLA has like warm on his list." He said, "No, it's it, you know, he is is UCLA pursuing him hard." Well, I is mean, he's high on their on list that side of the country. Yeah, but he's so. like, he's like, I he said I wouldn't say that LSU. I mean that that um UCLA is a favorite. You see Notre Dame high on that list. He said, "Yeah, he's talked to Notre Dame and." had some good discussions with them, but I wouldn't say that they're a favorite. I mean, this is a guy who's talked to Anthony Lucas as much as anyone, and he's saying, man, it's just hard to get a read. But he said, I certainly can tell you that you can't read into it right now that those two schools specifically, UCLA and Notre Dame, you look at his profile, it says warm. It's like, well, where did that come from? He's like, I don't know. Arizona State, that actually makes sense, right? You know, that one you get, but the other two – uh, point being, it seems like he's pretty wide open. Uh, the question for me is, will he, to your point, Bryce, will he leave the region? And that he took a visit so early in the equation tells me that that's, that's more than a passing possibility. I mean, you don't spend, you know, you spend your own money, you know, your own dime unofficially er, that early in your high school career uh, if you don't have a genuine interest and openness uh, to maybe getting away from home. Yeah, no, he uh, he's definitely a kid. And like we said, even with Marlon Klein, Tristan Bounds, a lot of these kids, any kid we've always said who takes a dead period visit to any campus, that shows the genuine interest they have in that school. And that was the thing with him back then. You know, he took it, I want to say, in 2019. I, maybe it was right before the pandemic even started, like I think a month before. It was in February. So uh, he just got it in. And like I said, he enjoyed every part of it. He got to see the big house. He got to see all the facilities. And so he's got a pretty good understanding compared to most kids out West, what Michigan exactly looks like. Cause it's, I know Michigan's doing these virtual visits and they're doing the best they can to show everything Michigan has to offer, but it's not the same, you know, especially if you're not talking to these coaches in person, let alone seeing the stuff in person. So he's got an upper hand with that. And I think Michigan's going to, this is going to be one they're going to keep recruiting till, you know, the very end. And, it's at least worth it, in my opinion. So here's one for you, Steve. Do you think it's worth it for Michigan to still run the race with Caden Curry, the big-time defensive lineman out of Indiana? There's long been a lot of Ohio State talk with him. Uh, but Michigan is persistent. They stay in contact. I know they, they've been Zooming with him as well. Uh, it seems like, you know, from what I hear, uh, talking to some of our guys, it seems like he's shown some some receptiveness to Michigan, uh, but again, doesn't talk very much about his re- recruitment. And I don't know that I could say that I've heard anything other than, "Hey, he's zoomed with Michigan and been somewhat receptive to to them." Haven't heard anything other than that, you know, to lead to any sort of optimism as far as Michigan's chances there. I, I still feel like this is a race that Michigan is running uphill in. Yeah, I, I definitely think uphill. I think I want to say as Oregon has, I think, been mentioned a little bit too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still early. I guess I guess you're probably angling to try to get him to campus, right? He's never been there, has he? I, he's, I know it's not far away, but he never came before, early in his yeah, recruitment, did he? I don't so, him coming to campus. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I guess if you're Michigan, new staff, new energy, you, you want to at least – he's good enough to where you want to try to get him up. I mean, I s- assume that's the angle here. Um, that's the other thing, though. 
lot of names, it feels like. You know, it really feels like that they've cast a very wide net, you know, because you talk about guys like Curry, Joe Strickland, uh, Finkley, are guys that the, old, the, the previous staff had put offers out that the, the new staff is really recruiting heavily. Then you have a whole new group of names, too. Uh, that feels feels like they're all hearing from Michigan pretty consistently. But, yeah, I, th- I guess I would put Curry in that category of guys that you try to get up. And if once you realize you're not going to get them up there, then probably going to have to move on, you know, because, you know, he does kind of feel like his recruitment, based on the limited information, feels like one of those kids that's enamored with the big, big, like the, the same six Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Ohio, like we'll have a, a top group of like Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia or something. Uh, just, I've seen a lot of, uh, Clemson, I think has been mentioned pretty consistently too. So could be one of those recruitments, but at this point, I think if you're Michigan, you know, there's gotta be a longstanding relationship there at this point between him and Nua. So you, you wonder you know, if Michigan still feels like they can get him up there and then, and then go from there. Yeah. We've talked about some, some guys from down in Florida. Uh, we've talked about Hayden Schwartz. I know you've talked about him before. He's a, a helo connection down there that you talked about, Bryce. I've talked about Jordan Phillips, a defensive tackle that I think is a sleeper that's going to blow up. One guy that we haven't talked to uh, talked about uh, from down that way is this guy, Mario Eugenio. Is that how you say his name? I, I should get this right, but I'm not going to. It's Aya Henio. You know what that makes it? You remember the Tigers used to have a – an infielder name. And Suarez. I think, yeah, I think it was A. Eugenio. I think that is how you said it. How yeah, you they, say tra- it. They, they, they traded him to the Reds for peanuts, and he led the National League in RBI like two years ago with like 140. So, <laughs> right. yeah. No. Just our luck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but what do you guys know about A. Eugenio? So I, I, I'll start off. I know Steve wrote on him too, but he just took a, a virtual visit with Michigan, I want to say on Friday. And I talked to him about it. He said, you know, first off, biggest thing that stood out to him is when he opened up Zoom, all the defensive coaches were on it. Every single one of them were on it. He was shocked to see all of them on it. So he's like, first off, that stood out. And they made a point of emphasis, like, we want you in this class. You fit exactly what we're looking for at the end. And he told me that they look at him and they say, listen, you could play the nine tech, the six tech, the five tech, the four tech. You could stand up. I mean, they see him as almost like a sw- army Swiss knife where he could play in many roles in their defense. So that really intrigued him. And he said, you know, following the virtual visit, he wants to take a real one right now. Iowa state has the lone crystal ball. Um, I kind of, it's kind of on low confidence. So I wouldn't look too much into that, but I think he's starting to really feel the love from Michigan. And that's one thing I've noticed with the staff. They're really showing a lot of attention, interest, and love to these recruits. And these recruits are responding well to that. I don't know if the old staff, I'm not saying they didn't show love, but this seems to be on a whole nother level. And it seems to be paying off, especially in a recruitment like this, all the way down, you know, in the state of Florida. Hey, Eugenio, Steve? I believe so. That's what I'm going with. It's like, hey, Eugenio. We'll get there. What do you think? I'm not, not even attempt. What, what I'm you, not gonna even attempt this. What do you think of of Michigan's sort of positioning with him at this point? Uh, I mean, I'm not putting a lot of stock into the crystal ball. Um, it was made on 24/7 Sports Crystal Ball Day, right. if I recall. So yeah. uh, we'll just say, you know, I assume Iowa State probably a factor there, but I would not, 
you know, put them in, in pole position or anything necessarily. Uh, no, he just got one from Arizona state today. You know, he's somebody who I, I think his profile is going to con- kind of continue to rise, you know, might be one of those guys where Michigan got in at the right time. Cause they've been pushing pretty hard uh, since they made the offer, you know, obviously with the virtual visit, but also just the con the contact has been very, very consistent, you know, since day one there. So, you know, one of those recruitments where it feels like Michigan may have gotten in at the right time and, and can kind of build off of there. But yeah, I and mean, that's, a, you know, there's another name where, you know, it feels like Michigan's in the hunt. And uh, a guy that just watching him just looks rated a little underrated uh, compared to where I think we have him in eight as an 88. Again, not saying like top 100, top 150 kind of guy, but it just looks better than an 88, you know, in my limited viewing of him. So, uh, but absolutely another name to to definitely be watching going forward up front for sure. Uh, Persistence. Persistence is often the key uh, in recruiting. Uh, Even when you think you're, you've taken an L or about to take an L like you think about Josh Burnham, for instance, who we all have crystal balls in for, for Notre Dame. I'd say, yeah, play the long game. I expect Michigan to play the long game with that one. And that's, and if there's space still available late, uh, you know, I think that they will be in position uh, at that point to just see, see where things stand much like they did with Ray Sean Benny. And you look back, to the chronology of events in that recruitment when Rayshon Benny, when the pendulum swung to Michigan State so abruptly. Now, mind you, Michigan State had done a good job of getting in that race because Mark D'Antonio had, you know, he had torpedoed their chances. But Mel Tucker, give him some credit. He got in there with his crew, and they started working him. And they had one of his teammates committed, and they got some momentum during the season. And next thing you know, He's a Michigan State lean. And this is after we sent, we talked about it on the podcast. We sent Hinchke to a game. Rice, you were in Alabama. I was down in I was down in um Fort Lauderdale. So he needed someone to go over to Rayshon Benny's first game. And Hinchke went over. He said, Man, this dude is dressed, he's decked head to toe in Michigan. Like it, literally head to toe in Michigan. Then a, a month later, he's committed to Michigan State. That was the surprise. It was no surprise to any of us when he flipped to Michigan, especially when he didn't sign during the early signing period. We said on the signing day podcast, the early signing day podcast, if he doesn't sign it for, for them or the, whether it's Michigan state coaches or the, the reporters that cover him for them to say that oh, nothing to see here, he's signing late with no reason, no rationale should have sent up all kind of red flags. Now we know, <laughs> that there was a there was a real reason and he was you know it wasn't just to the point of questioning whether Michigan State was the place by that point guys as you will hear in this interview with Rayshon Benny by that point you know by December late December he knew he wanted to go to Michigan which is we had that he had decided on Michigan uh, in advance of signing day at least by a number of days but I certainly didn't have him making that decision in December But that just goes to show you very, very strong relationships, bonds that he felt. But we'll let you hear it uh, in his own words, not only about, uh, you know, his thoughts about Michigan, these coaches, but the the defense, in-state recruiting, what he thinks is on the horizon there. A lot to unpack in the first interview. Have you guys seen Rayshon talk about his his decision anywhere? I haven't. No, have not. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him talk about this. So he... He opened up a bit 
uh, and went on the record and said, yeah, I was <laughs> basically, he said, I have a poker face on. I was saying that I was still going to side with Michigan State, even though I knew I wanted to go to Michigan. So you'll hear from Rayshon, Rayshon Benny on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are joined now by... The last commitment to Michigan's 2021 class from Oak Park High School, Rayshon Benny. So, Ray, let's just jump right in, man. You you flipped to Michigan on signing day, but when did you come to the decision? When did you know that Michigan was the place you wanted to be? Uh, I'll say late December, early January. That's when I realized. So what made it click for you? What was it that registered with you that made you say, you know what, I need to go the other way? Uh, just my relationship with the coaches, like, it was just so strong. Then seeing Flute, seeing like a real family feel. And then, like, you know, they was bringing in the new coaches and how heavy that was on me. I just knew I was a priority for them. So, obviously, man, a part of it is Coach Nua, uh, you know, that, that he was going to be retained. Uh, it seemed like you really connected with him. Let's start with your relationship with him. And was how big was that in the grand scheme of things? Uh... I'll say him and Coach Moore was the biggest uh, reason for me coming there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just my relationship with those guys. Like, it was more of a, you know, big brother feel. Like, you know, just somebody to talk to if I needed it. Right. So I, it, it had to be a moment in there where you wondered whether they were going to be back. So when did you when did you feel secure in on? Because they didn't get their deals done until like a few weeks into January. When were you totally comfortable that they were going to be back? Um, yeah, it was always a concern, not necessarily a concern. I just, I knew they was good coaches. Then I just see the rumors about like, they're not the ones that, you know, they talking about getting rid of. So I didn't really worry about it too much. I try not to think too hard about it. Just let it happen. Now you, you said the, the relationship with those two guys, really, really important development was was real important as well, man. When did you start to feel comfortable with Coach Nua as, hey, man, this guy is going to be the one that can bring the best out of me? Um, just the way how he was talking to me, you know, how he was – he explained the process to me of how everything going to go. He going to walk me through. You know, he going to push me to be the best. And then, like, just off the fact that knowing that it's all love, like, you know, it's not it's not no hate. And he pushing me because he know I got more inside of me. I got you. All right, so then – uh, Coach Moore, man, and and I know you you talked a lot about Coach Moore just a moment ago. Your mom's really, really seemed to like Coach Moore. You talked about big brother relationship with Coach Nua. What about the big brother relationship with Coach Moore? Oh, yeah, it was the same feel, really. You know, they remind me of each other in different ways. But, you know, I really I really like both of them. So was it, was it tough for you? Like, how did you handle the decision? Because obviously you had some great relationships over at Michigan State that you have forged. How did you handle that internally, man, knowing that, you know, I want to do something different? Was that was that a struggle? Was it tough for you to, to make that switch? Um, Yeah, it was definitely hard, you know, because I was uh, giving those guys my word. But, you know, at the end of the day, I had to do what was best for me. 
And so what did your mom say? I know she was she's right there with you every step of the way, you know, helping you with this process and counseling you. What did she say as you were going through? Uh, She ain't really, you know, say too much on like decision making or anything. She was more supporting, like whatever you do, I'm with you. You know, she ain't want me to overthink about it. She said, if if that's what you feel and that's what you feeling, you can't help it. You know, basically just trying to be there for me uh, to support me. To let me know, do whatever you feel is right. Right, right, right. Now you doing your own thing, but I wonder when you saw when you saw Donovan, you know, say he was going to Michigan, and you saw the class finish as strong as it did. Did that influence you in any way? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it influenced me because I think by that time I was pretty sure what I was gonna do, but it did make me feel better. Like, oh yeah. We about to have some fun there. It's about to, you know, we about to win. <laughs> and so, you know, as you as you got deeper into it, another new name came into the equation. You said you were already pretty locked in, but what about when Coach Bellamy came on, man? How did that, you know, what did you think of that move when they brought him in? Uh, So I first seen it on Twitter. When I first seen it, you know, I was thinking like it was fake or whatever. But, you know. Seeing the sources and everything was saying it's true and everything. So when I seen that, it, it made me happy because, you know, I had a good relationship with him, you know, with us going against him four years in a row, you know. So he always reached out to me trying to help me with the recruiting process, uh, things to look for, things to know about, you know. So it just made me feel more comfortable. And then when he got flipped on the defensive side, you know, it was like, all right, bet. So as far as this new defense is concerned, Rayshon, as you as you look at it, man, I mean, it just really feels like your versatility can be used anywhere on the defensive line. And I'm curious, have they talked to you about that? Coach McDonald or, or Coach Newell, what have they said about how they they plan to use you? Um, Yeah, no. It's more of a they know I'm going to be used. They just don't know exactly where I'm going to be best at. Best fit. They feel like, you know, I can play anywhere along the line. And I agree with them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do what's best for the team. Yeah, because you could play. I mean, you could play defensive end. You know, obviously you could play inside. Do you have a preference? Uh, No, nah, I don't have a preference. Okay. So, man, it's your season. It's one of the most – it's just not just, your, not just you, but Oak Park. It was an amazing season, man, when you consider – you know how tough it was during the year. You were obviously hurt, missed a lot of games. Uh, you know, no one was expecting much of you guys as you got in the playoffs. And then y'all, I mean, I know it didn't finish the way you wanted it to finish, but it was an amazing ride, man. When you look back on it, take me through how how you're going to remember this season. Um, I'm going to remember it, you know, as everybody doubting us and us doing what people saying we couldn't do. Don't get me wrong, you know, we ain't go as far as we wanted to or wanted to go up, but, you know, we still, you know, uh, beat our daughters and everything. Everybody saying we couldn't do everything. So it just, you know, motivated me. And where do you think, as you as you look back on the season, where did you think you were better? Obviously, like I said, I know you got in there late, but, man, once you did, <laughs> you were making your presence felt. Where do you feel like your game was improved? Uh, I feel like it was on the defensive end. Uh, I feel like it was on the defense again. Uh, that's where my game improved, really. Uh, this season, I was able to watch more film, actually work with actual uh, defensive trainers. So, okay. So, all right. And, and so, height and weight, what are you up to now? And where do you expect to be when you report to Michigan? I'm 6'4, 290 right now. 
Okay. Where do they say they want you to be? Uh, they cool me right here. Okay. All right. And my last one for you, man. I mean, obviously, your class is in the books. You guys are all signed up. But they've already started. You know, you got Will Johnson in the fold. Now you got Tayshawn Trent in the fold. In 2022, it really feels like, you know, as far as in-state recruiting, especially that, you know, Michigan is starting to lay it down already. Are you sensing that? Are you feeling that? And are you talking to guys about Michigan? Oh, yeah. That was uh, one of the biggest uh, necessities that they wanted to work on, recruiting in state hard. So I feel like it's working for us. You know, hopefully we keep getting guys. Well, Rayshawn, man, congratulations on the decision. Appreciate you taking some time, man. And obviously, we'll be seeing you in the fall. I got to appreciate it. So, fellas, you heard it. <laughs> it probably won't rub Michigan State fans the right way there, Steve. I just – I pledge to our users – at TMI that if Michigan does not sign a guy in the first signing period, that I promise to tell you that it is, it is not a good thing or that there's not nothing to it uh, because there is no reason at this, at where, where recruiting is right now and these kids getting phone calls and, and zooms and all this other stuff. There is zero reason for a kid at that point. If they're not, unless they're not and again, unless they're not a hundred percent sure uh, there's no reason for a kid not to sign in December at this point, you know, um, especially in that situation where it's the two hometown schools. Uh, it's not as if he, you know, there's a school out there he maybe hadn't visited or anything that he wanted to see, you know, but yeah, no, it's, you know, that's why I said, I think we could argue now like that Michigan state led for like three weeks. <laughs> they just happened one of, they just happened to beat Michigan to their credit, uh, right before he made his verbal commitment, you know, and I, I don't think there's any doubt, you know, if Michigan had won that game, he's committed to Michigan. This was never even a thing to begin with. So, yep, yep. I think this definitely the erupt nature of it and the fact that he backed off of that commitment, I think lends credence to your point. Uh, but as we just said, Bryce, I mean, this, if you followed this recruitment and you know how close he was to, to Nua and Sharon. Uh, especially this this is not a shocker yeah this dates back i want to say back in january of whenever that was when he took that winter trip and so he was at the basketball game with all those top you know in-state kids and i think i forgot who else all was there and donovan was one of them and so i know he really vibed with donovan and that was one of the keys i think also seeing donovan but regardless of that the relationships he made with you know sharon moore Sean Nua, and then obviously Coach Bellamy, once he joined the staff, and like he said himself, was like the icing on the cake. It just was everything he was looking for in a school. Michigan hadn't laid down that foundation. You know, they slipped on the banana when they lost that game, you know, to Michigan State. You know, it was like Lucy pulling the football right out of Charlie Brown. You know, we weren't – no one was expecting that. And it happens. You know, that happens in recruiting. But, you know, he got back up, went up to kick the ball, and he hit it. So – I think this is a big win for them. It shows they can still land the top kids in state and it shows they're putting a big effort in state as well. And they're not backing down from anyone. They want to keep these guys home. I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Michigan state uh, because that, that was one uh, Deion Walker uh, was one that they were kind of trending up with. And Tayshawn Trent was one they were trending up with. And um, you know, Michigan came and, and boxed them out on all of those guys. And now it's not all slam dunks for Michigan at this point, right? We, um, you know, by the time some people listen to this podcast, we all suspect 
Josh Burnham will have committed to Notre Dame. That's what we are all anticipating. But like I said, I wonder if if this Benny recruitment, if it portends um, at least the approach that is on the horizon with with Burnham. That's not to say that uh, he will definitely uh, flip, that he will be as open to transitioning, or that Michigan will even push as hard because we as we talked about. Last week, look, their linebacker board is full, and they're looking good with some of those guys, so who's to say that they even have space uh, later on in the cycle? Time will tell, but um, I could see them showing a level of persistence here uh, that you know that keeps them in play uh, with Burnham down the line. Uh, and even with the loss of Burnham, and this is an important point, guys, the in-state recruiting scene, you know, they're looking good. They're in strong with Jaden Mangum. They're in strong with Deion Walker, Dylan Tatum, and Steve. I know you you uh, put he has his his final four out there. Who thinks Michigan isn't going to win that race? I think we all have crystal balls in there for Dylan Tatum. I mean, Michigan is very very close, very close to having another. I mean, they. I guess you get Will Johnson. You already have a banner hall, right? But uh, to adding to that, and you know, if, if Burnham is your only. A major loss that will have been uh, a big time recruiting season here in the state of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you know, Alex Van Summer in a little bit of a loss, but but really overall, what are we expecting? Five or six guys mm-hmm. probably by the end of this. I with Burnham too. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. At least initially, they're going to continue to push. Um, you know, the reason he is a potentially significant loss is simply the fact that a lot of the other big name linebackers they're chasing are guys who are way out of region. Mm-hmm. And you know, so the work is going to have, is going to be focused on trying to get those guys up. Now they've, they're in decent shape with some of those guys, but it's still going to be a situation. I think, you know, they're going to have to get some of them on campus. So that's where Burnham, you know, is a potentially big loss. But again, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if it'd play out the exact same way as Benny will. Uh, we expect Notre Dame to have a good season on the field, right? Marcus, right. Marcus Freeman, a really good recruiter. We talked about that last week. I think this will be a little bit tougher uh, than it was with Rayshon, but at the same time, you know, I think we knew Rayshon was a, a Michigan fan, but the just I just go back to the first interviews with Burnham and how big of a Michigan fan he was. Uh, where you feel like over the long haul that Michigan can at least keep themselves in it. So, uh, but yeah, no, that the, I always say like people that criticize the in-state recruiting, it's like I think there's so many other areas that you if you want to make criticisms. Uh, that's not one of the first few that would come to my mind. I mean, I feel like you're in and you're out. Now there are a few, always guys that kind of slip through the cracks a little bit, but by and large, I mean, Michigan's done pretty well in state uh, under Jim Harbaugh. And I do think, and we've talked a lot about this is that going forward with the staff they have in place now, I think they'll, they'll do even better than they've already done. Uh, and we're seeing that, uh, you know, how quickly the Tayshawn Trent recruitment kind of ended there pretty fast. You talk about Dylan Tatum, uh, Jaden Mangum. You know, those are guys that I think Michigan would have, was going to have a shot with either way. But whether it be Ron Bellamy, you know, the continued presence of Sharon Moore, Josh Gaddis, uh, Mike Hart, throw him in there a little bit too. You know, and Michigan's got a, a more formidable in-state group to, you know, reel in some of these guys with, i just say a little less effort, I guess. Not not to say they're not, they are putting in the work, but those relationships and bonds are so strong in-state for some of these guys puts you know it makes it a little bit easier for them to recruit uh you know with ease there absolutely well 
We will be profiling more of these defensive linemen that we focused on the majority of the podcast in the coming days and weeks, Uh, but wanted to also preview some of the other guys uh, that we will be talking about profiling, writing on. Uh, For me, I'm going to be focusing on Benjamin Morrison, a guy that we've talked about a lot already, guy. A guy who I think, man, I I just think he's just scratching the surface when you look at where he is frame-wise, size-wise. He's still a little thin. I talked to his coach, which was surprising. His coach is a former colleague of ours when we were scout. Jason Jewell was the Arizona high school guy. He was uh, coaching JUCO at the time, too, so he's always been in coaching. Uh, but he's been the high school coach at Brophy Prep there over at his uh, over at Benjamin Morrison's high school. He's been the high school coach there for a couple of seasons now, and he said, "Man, this dude is the real. He is the real deal." Uh, and this is this comes from a guy who coached at the college level, uh, evaluated prospects for a living, uh, and he said he has all to, all the tools. Now he's sidelined right now. He had hip surgery. Uh, he's supposed to be a hundred percent for the fall. Uh, but you won't be seeing, you know, him in seven on sevens or track or anything like that while he, uh, you know, recovers and rehabs in time for the season. But no sign of any schools backing off to this point, according to Jason. Definitely not Michigan. Uh, Michigan definitely showing a ton of interest, as we revealed already. His sister Naomi is on Michigan's women's gymnastics team. She got another big weekend with a big vault on a uh, with a. A week where the Michigan Women's Gymnastics Program set a program record, a scoring record. So uh, she's part of a really, really good team right now. You know her experience is really good. That bodes well for Michigan's courtship of, of Benjamin Morrison. So uh, we'll have I'll have more on him this week. You guys have any any guys you're pointing to profiling this week? Yeah, I'm actually not a guy, but a state. The Elhammer State, in terms of Alabama, Michigan's been extremely active in a state down there that most would say, what's the point? You have, you know, the Crimson Tide down there who can, it's in some people's opinion, like Ohio, Ohio State, they can just pick and choose who they want from the state. But I think Michigan looks at it like they can't get them all. And Auburn right now just had a coaching turnover. So they think, I, I feel like their mindset is that we can get a couple guys here and there. And then slowly for the future classes, kind of build off that. We'll see where that goes. I mean, look, they got Nico Collins. That one turned out pretty well for them. And surprisingly, one of their newest offers I just wrote about from Montgomery, Alabama, TJ Dudley. He just got offered by Michigan 6'2", 210. He's got a crystal ball for Alabama. But his dad is a huge Michigan fan. He's from the Detroit, Saginaw area. Extremely excited. And they still have family in the state of Michigan, who he told me are huge Michigan fans. So, again, we we talk about Benjamin Morris having those ties. There seems, like and Steve said, there seems to be a lot of ties in this 2022 class for whatever reason, but that's just one of the ties. So I'm going to take a deeper look at, you know, the state of Alabama and maybe some of those recipes down there because I know they got some good cooking as well. Steve, you got any special focuses this week? Yeah, so I've been kind of looking at just some different patterns and stuff. Um, in the last few weeks for Michigan on the trail. Biggest thing I'll be talking about is all these 300-plus guys. They've offered like three or four of them within the last couple weeks. And I want to say, if you get a minute, the kid they offered out of Merrillville, Indiana, uh, Kenneth Grant, that is some fun film. (laughs) This kid's 335. I I, I think this kid looks like – I think we have him as an 84. Um, He can move. Uh, 
I think it's about 30 seconds into his highlight, his junior season highlight video, uh, rips the ball out for a fumble, pretty much outruns the opposing quarterback to the end zone, and at the last second just stiff arm and just chucks into the ground. Uh, really impressive play. But definitely, yeah, focusing a little bit on some of the different patterns um, and just the just sort of the overall themes of this, of at least the approach, it feels like they're taking. You know, I talked about them just – it feels like they're casting a wider net than normal, at least defensively. Uh, with guys that, like, it feels like, you know, what there usually is, is is a pretty set board where we know there's, like, the, the guys they'll take, take. feels like there are a lot of guys they're still after that they'd take at a lot of positions. You know, there isn't just, like, three or four guys uh, at each spot. You know, we, we've, we've broken down so many of them at this point. Uh, but that's one of the things I've been uh, kind of slowly working on. But but definitely, yeah, the big thing is the big guys. Uh, Sir Mel's, the former Washington commit, 300-plus. Uh, Walker from Cast Tech, 300 plus mm-hmm. Grant, 335. The kid they offered out of Pennsylvania over the weekend uh, is, I think, 310, 320. You know, so it's clear that they're trying to find a, a plug in the middle. And, uh, you know, I loved Walker's video that he posted on his Twitter, but I, this Kenneth Grant, man, there's something about watching this dude that, look, you know, he's just a big dude, but looks pretty quick for a kid his size. Uh, just kind of an interesting prospect to to watch. So, that's something I'll be posting probably in the next day or two. All right. From your lips. That's a video I haven't watched yet, but I'm definitely going to do that. I imagine many of our listeners are as well. As I always say, folks, in closing, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and review it. Tell your friends about it. They can find it on whatever podcast platform they frequent. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast and grab a Michigan Recruiting Insider. You can stay up to speed all the time uh, with every podcast. Uh, if you listen on a weekly basis, of course, if you want to follow it on a daily basis, you can have your fill of Michigan recruiting intel by going to the MichiganInsider.com. You can become a VIP member, get all the inside intel for your first month for a dollar. Cannot beat that deal. Uh, you talk about you know getting the the inside dirt, the inside dish, not only on recruiting but the team as well. It will be well worth the pennies per day that it costs you to be a member of the Michigan Insider. Until next week, folks, thanks for listening to the Michigan Recruiting Insider.